Well, there are uh, said that there's a two types of people, uh, one with a cup half full and one with a cup half empty. If we are believers in Christ, our cup overflows. We are given a gift, um, and it is a gift of an overflowing level of eternal optimism that comes from our salvation in Christ. A worship service is akin to a service of thanksgiving. They are inseparable components. Sin is a worship disorder, and ungratefulness is the outcome. It is the sign of issues in our walk with Christ if we spend much time in ungratefulness or unthankfulness. If we are to live renewed lives, they need to be reflective of his work of grace. Any level of bitterness is inconsistent and incongruent with the reality of our salvation. Much of the instruction in the text of Holy Scripture leads us to this final conclusion. It is replete, the Bible is replete about the life of Christ and it models hope and it models thanksgiving and gratefulness. Jesus prayed to the Father in thankfulness before he walked to the cross. We see the thankfulness in the Apostle Paul despite the circumstances that he was going through. And the most bitter circumstances of life, our faith in Christ, leads us to overwhelming thankfulness. Optimism in his promises, his person, his grace. Optimism in our eternal relationship with him. Optimism in his complete work. This optimism isn't built in a anything less than full assurance. Remember Hannah's circumstances as we went through 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, having to endure a bitter rival who spurred her emotions and grief. Almost reminds me when I read that section of sibling rivalry, poking at one another in the car on vacation, or doing something that really irritates and gets under the skin of another. This ultimately led Hannah to a plea for help, which would change the course of history for a generation and beyond. Listen to her prayer. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts the Lord. This is a woman still in yet a bitter circumstance. My heart exalts the Lord. My horn or my strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside you. Nor there is there a Any rock like our God, boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. When gazing into a deep problem and pouring our heart out to the Lord, we find incredible peace in his promises and in his work. After all, our condition is perilous without him. Without faith in Christ, we're dead in our sins. We have no hope. We have asked for prayer from some of you regarding Sonia's cousin Larry, who lays in a hospital bed as I speak, dying from cancer. We have asked many of you to pray for his salvation and to consider what we don't really know specifically about him. 
His earthly tent is in its final moments of decay. There has been diligence to share the gospel with him. Yet there has been some yet remaining uncertainty. His circumstances are beyond hope for this life. Loss comes to all of us, does it not? We've all experienced it. His sister and brother-in-law lost their only son in a car accident while he was in college. Rejection and divorce are part of his life. The last remaining immediate family members are all in their mid-70s. In many ways, life has been very hard for that family. But at the close of the day, God's grace is sufficient. His super abounding grace is evident in the bleakest times. This is the text that we received the last couple of days from Larry's sister, Darlene. This afternoon, I read from some psalms and a David Jeremiah devotion to Larry. A little later, I asked if he would sing with me. Of course, he said he couldn't, but I started singing. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. When I got to the chorus, he joined in the best he could. I sang very slowly, and while there were times it was only a mouthed word, there were times that we could hear his voice. We complimented him and cheered. It brought a smile to his face. So I asked the question, what is the Lord doing with Larry, with the nurses who walked in that room, with his sister Darlene, and with her husband Willard? or with Larry's friend and caregiver, Gil, or with his overseas friends who flew in this weekend to spend time before his passing. So I'm thankful today. I'm thankful for the Lord's work in this situation. Desperation has brought contemplation, and contemplation has rested in the sweet trust of Jesus. At the end of the day, the direction of this country the politics we cannot change, the decisions of government that just occurred even this week, the earthly goals and dreams that will never happen pale in the bright light of his grace. Thankfulness is part of fighting temptation. We learned that in our first hour today. But thankfulness is the antidote to the problems and the ills of this life if you are in Christ. It's no doubt that this is why the apostle urged us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, He said, we urge you, we implore you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ. So what is the Lord doing with your loved ones as you raise concerns and issues and prayers regarding them? We can be thankful even for the unsaved and the faith in God that can resolve their state of death and bring them to eternal life. Thankful for a difficult child that has humbled our soul and brought us to a deeper understanding of our dependency on his strength and wisdom. Thankful for opportunities that the Lord gives us to serve him in anything that draws us to him. Thank you for conviction of sin. 
that is identified in our heart, in our conscience, informed by grace and by Scripture. Thankful for even problems of life that have no quick solutions. Sometimes as I was preparing for this, some things come to us elders regarding problems and circumstances of life. No quick solution. No instant wisdom. But you know what? We know a God who does. And these problems are his, and he resolves them. I'm thankful that we do not lead in a vacuum, that he is the head of the church. In Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 6, we read, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. What does it mean to overflow with gratitude? That is a continuous life of exuding thankfulness. It means to walk in him in its whole is to overflow with gratitude. You have been you have obtained an overflowing treasure. The first part of Colossians 2 identifies that treasure as Christ. Treasure hunters look for treasures. If you are in Christ, you have a treasure. There's no need to find another one. You have found the greatest treasure that life can lead you to. In fact, we have received the best and eternal treasure, one that is never-ending. It says in this passage that you have been firmly rooted You have been planted. A root is firm, its foundation is sure. It is built in him. You are eternally eternally an answer to prayer. Just think about how many people prayed for you in your need of salvation. I know my parents did, and I know many others continue to pray for me. Wow, eternally an answer to prayer. An answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17 before he walked to the cross. You are an answer to prayer. And those praises, those prayers will praise him eternally. We're thankful for that. You are eternally set in a relationship of deepest love. Sometimes relationships horizontally don't feel very loving. But you have a relationship in Christ that is of deepest love. So let's overflow with gratitude. I was reminded this week of Daniel chapter 6. Difficult circumstances, no doubt, for the people of Israel. Exiled to Babylon, brought into a different land. The Lord found favor on Daniel. And he was brought into the king's commission. He was a commissioner to lead. But there was deceit and lies that were circulating about manipulations and what would lead to attempted murder, what appears to be for Daniel a hopeless situation. These other commissioners came up with an idea by agreement to talk the king into finding fault with Daniel for praying to another god. They said, King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the high officials, And the governors have consulted together that the king would establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den. 
Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document, so that it may be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is the injunction. We find in this first section a lie already. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, agreed. That is not true. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open to Jerusalem. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God. He had been, he had been doing as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before him to the king. Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed but keeps making his petition of thanksgiving three times a day. Well, we can be thankful for a lion's den, where God's comfort and provision are on display for all to see. The manipulation of jealous evil hearts and bitter captivity turned into a stage of praise, did it not? We can see in Daniel chapter 6, verse 25, Then Darius the king wrote to all the people, nations and men of every languages who were living in the land. After the deliverance of Daniel, may your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, um, men are to fear and tremble before God, the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in the heaven, in heaven and on earth. Who also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. A lack of thankfulness is caused by a lack of focus on God's accomplishments and his promises. Thanklessness is at its core selfishness. To not ascribe a thankful heart is to miss the gospel promises. It is to buy into a sense of unbelief. Ascribing thankfulness and gratitude is to meditate on him. Are we affectionately confessing ungrateful heart? Do we recognize bitterness that so easily creeps in? How much time do you spend complaining? How much time do I spend focusing on complaints? What is the basis for our entitlement? What do we all deserve? We know the answer to that question. We're reminded, Paul reminds the Ephesians in chapter 1, even as we study that great book of who they are in Christ. Why is it important that we're unified in Christ? Why is it important that we're thankful for one another as well? Listening to a song this week, it says, Still my soul be still. And do not fear, though winds of change may rage tomorrow. God is at your side, 
no longer dread the fires of unexpected sorrow. Still my soul be still, do not be moved by lesser lights and fleeting shadows. Hold on to his ways with shield of faith against temptation's flaming arrows. God, you are my God, and I will trust in you, and I will not be shaken. Lord of peace, renew a steadfast spirit within me to rest in you alone. Still, my soul, be still. Do not forsake the truth you learned in the beginning. Wait upon the Lord, and hope will rise as stars appear when day is dimming. God, you are my God. Praise the Lord for that. 